Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. Yes, we are back after a week off. I had some very good reasons to have a week off, actually. A bunch of us traveling, but also because we had, we had midweek games. So we decided, look, this is a good time to take a week off and just put two match days into one. And helping me to discuss all of this, we have, because we have news as well. We have lots of news, like more news than anyone can ever handle, including news that will make Andrew Flynn's head explode, I'm pretty sure, even though he should be able to handle everything after the trip he's just <laughs> been through. Andrew Flynn from Siberia, traveling through Siberia. Andrew, how are you doing? I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm not entirely sure what day it is, what time it is, but I timed my return to Chumen for the football by Football Grad podcast, just like an Andrey Panyakov run into the box for Oral. So um, I got back in time. So Beautiful. so far, so good. Beautifully done. <laughs> Beautifully done. Uh, I, I'm very impressed. Now, although I, I was a little concerned when I got that message yesterday saying that you don't have snow tires anymore and you might be encountering snow. <laughs> uh, it's May 1st. Happy Workers' Day, by the way, to everyone. Um, yeah. yeah, snow. It's May. Who? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. But George joys a Siberian life. It, it, luckily, by the time I came back, it, it had the good manners to melt away. Yeah, so, um, as it should. I mean, I, I was walking around at 21 degrees in t-shirts and shorts. Speaking of t-shirts and shorts, I know absolutely. one guy, I would know one guy who's been in t-shirts and shorts all week because joining us, not from Vancouver, but from Mexico, is Tim Bokterchev. Tim, how are you doing? I mean, you must be suntan, brown, and probably won't recognize you the next time I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on vacation in Mexico. It's just, uh, it's, it has been amazing. The weather is here. No uh, sign of a snow. Uh, even it's May 1st, but still no snow. So I'm not sure if Andrew was here, how he would handle that. But yeah, it's on, I'm just on vacation. So I'd like to apologize if there will be some, um, the background noise or some music. And I tried to watch some League AMX games. I was too far away from the action, but apparently there's the second division game and about 400 kilometers away, uh, Diego Maradona's team was playing, but I didn't visit. Oh, that, that's too bad. And Diego Maradona is, of course, also still the president of Dinamo Brest. <laughs> yeah, wearing many hats. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so there, there could have been a good connection here. You could have, uh, seen the only guy who was both simultaneously the head coach of, uh, Liga, um, 
you know, the, the one below the second division. Yeah. The Ascension, um, head coach and as well, the president of a Belarusian Premier League side. Um, <laughs> this is the sort of stuff that we have to deal with on the football ground network, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. He, yeah, look at right now. He's coach of a club called Dorados de Sinola. Hmm. Uh, and they were apparently playing in the Ascension Max in the semifinal. And, um, yeah, so interesting, interesting character. Dynamo Brest president and the coach of uh, second division Mexican club. And they're, they're on the verge of promotion. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. We all want Diego Maradona back in professional football, be it as a president, a head coach, right, and maybe even <laughs> as a player. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, he remember he played for this again. We're going, we're kind of, it's a good transition to football grad because remember he played an all-star game for Ahmata when it was Terek. That's right. So, who knows? Maybe he will sign up for, for Tedic and we will have a new player. If, if you have, um, have any contact, Tim, if you have any contact <laughs> around the club, just tell them, tell them that two men are desperate for a playmaker right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'll try my best to deliver this information to Diego Armando <laughs> Maradona. Well, we, we, we can be facilitators of a very good transfer. Speaking of transfers, um, Andrew. Are you ready for this? I, I, you, are you, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I am. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Feda Smolov could join for Tuna Düsseldorf. Yeah. Yeah. You say that. You say that. I, I've learned from very, very serious past mistakes never to trust any talk of Fyodor Smolov to any German club anymore. Partly because it didn't happen the first time round, but most important, or the third, or the fourth. <laughs> I blame entirely. It's you. It's you, deadly serious professional lot over the, the Gagan Pressing podcast who completely, completely fooled me, thinking he was going to FC Köln. I think it was. Apparently, he was a big, big fan, and I really, I was sold on it because I thought, well, okay, it's a step down from Borussia Dortmund, but at least it's Bundesliga, and then. Um, Mr. Gagan pressing host himself, Mr. Bryce Dunn, completely had me like a kipper. So I'm not believing this for a second, Manny. So this is not from Bryce Dunn. So this is not, uh, uh, yo. <laughs> Are you Dunn, sure? <laughs> Dunn's rumor. Um, <laughs> this, this is actually from the, um, uh, yeah, not most reliable newspaper in Germany, Express, um, in, based uh -huh. in Köln and Düsseldorf. And uh, what they're saying is that Fedor Smolov, could get loaned to Fortuna Düsseldorf, who have actually had a very good season in the Bundesliga. And everyone thought they would go straight down and they've basically secured um, their league standing with five games to go. So they had a very good season. But um, apparently he could go on loan to Fortuna Düsseldorf and play there so he can get himself a contract in one of the, with one of the bigger clubs um, in one of the top four leagues in Europe. That's the rumor. Ah, so, um, they, uh, would, would Fortuna, as you man, of course, you know, um, the Bundesliga inside out, would Fortuna be the sort of club that would actually contemplate a deal like that, knowing full well that they are purely a short term stepping stone? They have done this with all the players that they have signed. So, yeah, it sounds a little bit crazy. Uh, yeah. but it could be the sort of deal that they would do because it, it would allow them to sign a player, um, you know, without any risk, really, because, I mean, there is a big risk that Fido Smolov wouldn't work out in Germany at all. Yeah, true. 
I mean, I think uh, I think the thing for me with with Mr. Smoloff is uh, I, I still go on about this. I think last summer he took a major hit. I think two summers ago when he had his big chance, there was a lot of talk about Dortmund and West Ham even, in fact. Um, that was his big chance to move. But I still felt like a good World Cup could have given him that platform he needed. But then Mr. Zuba himself just broke out. I mean, not out of nowhere. We've known about him for a long time. But as the number one striker, the undisputed number one striker for Russia during the summer, I think Smolov took a massive hit there because he was the leading man. He was he started the first game and everybody thought that here's the here's the guy we're gonna get our build our attack around. Um and I think his confidence took a huge hit from that. Yeah. He scored a couple of interesting goals this season, one against Angie a, a couple of weeks ago. Um was a good little solo goal, but it was against Angie who had a most unpredictable team in the league. Um and I I think he's taken a step back. So I, I don't know Oh, we keep saying he's had his last chance. This surely would be his last chance if this supposedly genuine rumour turns out to be true. Um, and I would support any opportunity for him to get a shot at a big league. Not because I think he definitely will succeed, because but because I want him to have the chance to succeed, because he is that talented. It's wherever he's got the mentality to go with it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of mentality, this this next one, had had me laugh. Um, Tim, did did you see this? This this is this is something that we that emerged from uh, sports RU blog. Virgil van Dijk, the world's most expensive defender from Andrew Flynn's favorite club. Um, <laughs> Behave back, yourself. Back in the day when he played for Groningen, had an offer from Krasnodar. Virgil van Dijk had an offer from Krasnodar. But Krasnodar signed Kranquist instead. Now, I mean, this is this surely falls under the category missed out. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's a missed out opportunity. But at the same time, Kranquist ended up being their captain and the leader of their defense. So to be quite honest, you know, I know that Krasnodar they have very developed scouting system. Um, the the former Spartak striker Maxim Buznikin is the head of the scouting system, and I read a couple of interviews. They really monitor the the, you know, the Scandinavian market and the European market very well, very well. And we saw uh, quite a few uh, players who came into the Krasnodar squad without really much experience, and we didn't know much about them. And they ended up being good, good, good acquisitions. Uh, Pereira, for example, uh, there's a few, there's a few. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, and you know, probably when this conversation was happening, Virgin Van Dyke was still developing. He wasn't the Virgin Van Dyke he is today. So, um, that doesn't surprise me, but clearly missed the opportunity. Um, he obviously would have been a great, a great choice, uh, and developed and maybe they would sold him off uh, for lots of money. But like I said, yeah, Grantwist did well for them, captain of the club. Um, really, really did well, was the leader of defense. So, not a bad, not a bad choice as well. I always love these missed out transfer opportunities. It's like when Werder Bremen uh, missed out on signing Andrei Shevchenko, or um, you know, I think Ronaldinho to Hertha Berlin, for example. You know, those are just you just think to yourself, what were you thinking? What were you doing? But then yeah, you, yeah. you wonder, did the play, would the player have turned out the same way? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good point. So I don't know. Well, it's, it's hard to blame anyone on anything. Uh, speaking of blame, uh, Andrew, 
I, I love I love how seamless how you just you you're segueing from one section to the next has just become absolute top class man. I've loved yeah, it. I, yeah, 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 I've been practicing. I'll just level. do it do it at home <laughs> in my head. Um, yeah, no. So the now is in Petersburg. You guys are ready for this? Sal wrote a great article on this, by the way. They could be resurrected once again. Andrew, um, where are they going to move once once they're big enough to be transplanted into another city? Yeah, um, it's 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 head spinning, trying to keep track of the word Dynamo. Um, I, Don't worry, I we have another know. Dynamo topic, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was. I was certain it would be. I, I, of course, we have. Um, the, this is this is one of the things that, for me, sums up Russian football. It's just the lack of thought process that goes through this. When you've got a, I don't like using the word brand about clubs, but when you do have a well-established establishment, then should we say, um, for want of a better word, there's, it's stupid to let it go. Now the whole move to Sochi with the, well, I say the original, the previous version of Dynamo St. Petersburg. Um, in a way, I know Saul Pope will probably hate me for saying this, but I can see at least a small amount of logic behind at least guaranteeing a team of reasonable prospects uh, taking up residence in a World Cup stadium. But then, of course, you've got the city of St. Petersburg. I don't know how many how many cities in countries of let's say the top 10 or even 15 leagues um, in Europe at least have a city of 4 million people and only one professional club. Um, there was a massive gap in, in the market. So um, from what I, <laughs> from what I understand um, we could be, we could be seeing a new version of this. Now Saul, I'm not sure what he will think of this. Uh, I'm not sure what the fans will think of it. Just trying to start again from scratch. How do you do it? Um, now, from from what uh, from what Saul has told us, um, there may be a merger with a a club called Lads Luga. I can't say I know a great deal about them, unfortunately. Um, but they have made an announcement on their V Contactia site saying they are going to merge with Dynamo St. Petersburg. So um, that will almost certainly mean they'll have to take up residence in the, I would assume, the fourth tier um, and then earn promotion up to the uh, the PFL, the third tier. Um, if they did make this uh, amalgamation go through, I have no doubt at all they would rise all the way up because they would have the backing, they'd have the history i'm sure they would end up playing in the petrovsky eventually if they kept on going so um it'll be very interesting to see what happens next yeah yeah absolutely um speaking of what happens next tim vtb is going to buy dinamo moscow for one ruble um is that the end of this dinamo saga or are we gonna keep going and going and going you know are we gonna keep talking about dinamo and what's going on with the club forever and ever first of all good segue manu <laughs> again that was great uh, but um 
I don't think I don't think we will. <laughs> that's the end of of Dynamo uh, saga. I think we, they will entertain us for a while because that's how the club is built. Uh, the main reason for that that because there are way too many many people are involved in decision making at Dynamo. But you're absolutely correct. The VTB Bank bought um, the shares of Dynamo for one ruble. Uh, they already started making some changes. Uh, former national team player Roman Shirokov was uh, fired from his position, and we you know we expect a few more changes in the managerial uh, side of things at Dynamo. Uh, they also, again, this is just rumors, nothing confirmed yet, but uh, again, that's what people have been saying, and we've read that uh, the Dynamo budget will be uh, on par with a CSKA budget at $65 million uh, or whatever, whatever the de- de- denomination of currency they use. But uh, what, what that just tells us, even without the numbers, that there will be money at Dynamo, and uh, they really need to secure promotion, or promotion, uh, sustain at the, um, at the league right now, and looks like there will be some money to spend next year, Dynamo and Dynamo will be, uh, at least their plans, uh, not fighting for uh, relegation, uh, maybe fighting for Europe, and as Dynamo, the club with such history, should. Uh, but again, like we, we we don't really know, it's it's still unclear, because we don't know if the Akhlov will stay as a coach, uh, we don't know who will be making the sporting and transfer decisions, How what kind of budget they actually have. Um, how they're going to deal with financial flair play. So I think they will, to answer your question, they will still entertain us. Uh, but it's it will be interesting to see what will happen to them and if they will become one of the forces next season. Yeah, uh, speaking of entertainment and lack of money, Andrew, um, Anshi, <laughs> I know they're your okay. favorite club <laughs> out there. Um, that would be one spot already that might free up for you in the, in the FNL for two men. Yeah, you only need how many, how many <laughs> more clubs? How many more clubs do you need? So you need only three other clubs to go bankrupt. Yeah, <laughs> on top of Anshi. Well, you say that, you say that, but I, I, there's a very real prospect. <laughs> well, actually, be bottom of the table, so we, we might need four, man, if you don't mind. Y- yeah, y- y- no, there's there's only I only see three teams ahead of two man. Yeah. There's one gone already, Anji. At, at the moment, yes. But Zanid Dubal are, are about to overtake us in standing. So, um, oh, I don't know. Either way, Manny, it's, it just please don't remind me of relegation. It's a horrible thing. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about Anji? Oh, dear me. Um, well, it's just that classic thing, Manu, that we have said time and time again. I just wish somebody uh, in the upper echelons of Russian football would actually listen to the Football Grad podcast. Stop building clubs, stop the old Soviet habit, it does not work anymore, of supporting clubs through regional governments. So long story short, I mean, it's basically just changed the details. It's the same Angie story we've heard a million times over. They don't have enough money. Apparently, it's around 650 million rubles that they say they need to cover their costs, cover their debts, and they've asked the regional government, the government said, no, we just, it's a difficult difficult period in the region at the moment six i mean 650 million rubles for for context and listeners works out at very roughly uh about 70 million pounds i think it is at the current exchange rate something like that and um uh sorry seven million pounds not 70 uh so it's we're not talking a huge amount of money or at least it doesn't sound like a huge amount of money but in russian football that's uh that's the amount that can make a difference between survival or not um but it is, you know, money. This is the this is the dilemma we keep talking about. If you are a regional government and you need to supply 
kindergartens, hospitals, yeah. uh, roads, public services, and a football club, which one do you think is going to come bottom of that pile? Of course it's going to be the football club, and that's how it should be if those are all grouped together, which brings us to the obvious point that they shouldn't be all lumped in under the same budget. In other words, private ownership, or at least private investment of a significant nature, really ought to, in my mind, become mandatory. You know, we talk about the um, clubs wanting to survive in the even the second tier or the Premier League of Russian football. Money is the big thing. Um, I think part of the licensing should now be at least, let's say, at least 50% of your income must come from private funding because at the moment it's so precarious. Um, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Angie. I dislike them as a club for numerous reasons. One being that they're one of the few teams to completely outclass two men in the FNL. Um, but I don't like seeing any club go out of business because of, a, in my mind, a very avoidable situation. So um, it looks like, well, I say it looks like we have no idea of predicting what will actually happen, but it does look like Angie will be in trouble. Um, they're already going down, in my mind, um, in the league. They are, well, they've been struggling for a long time. Um, in the table. So they'll certainly be going down. The question is how far down they'll go down. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a very, very good idea of how clubs could cut costs because I stumbled across this story. Um, they could just simply merge with hockey teams, you know, and share the players because that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Kamasna Bershne Chelny did. You know, they just signed Artem Lukoyonov. From, uh, Akbas, Akbas Kazan, the hockey team, you know, Kazan and, uh, Kazan and, uh, um, Naberishny, uh, Jelny, they're not that far apart, right? Kamas is the, the company. They used to be actually a Russian Premier League team. So they just signed this guy, Artem Lukoyonov, uh, to play for their, for their team. And there's, of course, tons of story about hockey players. Uh, Yashin, of course, the world's famous goalkeeper played both hockey and soccer. Um, Bo Prof played both hockey and soccer, participated actually in the winter and the summer Olympics for, for the Soviet Union in, uh, in both sports. So yeah, here, there, there's a cost cutting measure. This guy, he played a professional game in the third division. And, uh, maybe this is that what, what the likes of Anshi need to do, you know, just sign merch with hockey teams and they can, can share players. Uh, this is my cost cutting. Yeah, Tim, go. To, to bet they don't have a hockey club in Machachkala, but that could have been a solution for them. Probably the only. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's a volleyball team or something. <laughs> yeah. So they play just really, they play just really long ball football <laughs> to, yeah. to just pass it to the hey, that could work. Yeah. That, that yeah, could of course, work. Of course, of course, of course the Englishman is saying that it could work. Of course, the Englishman you say that it's, it's a perfect strategy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it's a, it's a very cultured style of football, I have you know. Yeah, they also should probably hire uh, Sam Allardyce to play that football, and then we'll see. And the budget oh, would be gone though in wine. Although that said, they grow some fantastic wine and uh, in, in, the, in the Caucasus. So. Pints of wine. Yeah, pints of wine. Um. Speaking of pines, and uh, yeah, that's not a good transition at all. Uh, let's go. Over, <laughs> let's go over the two last uh, the results of the Russian Premier League, shall we? Because we have two match days to cover, um, and we have to basically congratulate Sinead for winning the title. It's going to be a painful moment for me, but yeah, uh, let's 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 do these results. Um, so last week, 
Midweek Results. Ahmad Krasnodar 1-1, Rostov 1-2 to Loco, Ruben 1, Ufa 1, CSKA 2, Anchi 0. Ja, Anchi. Zenit 2, Dynamo Moskau 0, Yenisei 2-1 to Orenburg, Samara 0-1 Ural, Arsenal's 3-0 against Spartak. Ooh, Tim, that's not good at all. I saw the pictures of that. There was flares. Uh, not not a happy side at Spartak. We get to talk no, about that no, in a moment. No. Anchi 1-1 Rostov. So this is the weekend results. Dynamo Moscow 0-0 with Ahmad. Ufa 1-4-1 over Ural. Andrew. Loco 2-1 Yenisei. Zenit 4-2 Samara. Krasnodar 2-0 against CSKA. Orenburg 1 Arsenal 1, Spartak 1, Ruben 1. Yeah, as I said, when you look at those results, the way it all works out when the dust settles here, we have four games left and Zenit have now an eight-point gap to Lokomotiv Moscow who are in second place. Tim, not even Zenit is going to screw this up now. No, at this point, no. There's no way they can. Uh, they just pretty much need, what, three, four points to secure... Uh, the trophy and their, 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 the games they play, it's definitely they gotta do it. They still have four games to go and they need pretty much a couple of wins. And they've been in such great form recently that it's not, it's not, it's out of really the question. Um, yeah, I just wanted to remind what the conversation we had in the end of the, uh, first half of the tournament. We both, we all agreed that the teams who deserve and like we said, there's no deserve in football, but the team which Probably, you know, we enjoyed the most were Krasnodar and CSKA, uh, playing the way they played, but Zenit really won the league by their, uh, winter transfers. Uh, their acquisition, Serdar Azmon, is now the top scorer in the league. Uh, Rakitsky scored a few very important goals and was the player who really um, solidified their defense. And, uh, Barrios was also very, very important player in, 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 in the middle, the middle of the park. So great uh, transfer work in the winter from Zenit and uh, they're back of uh, being, uh, champions of Russia and back to, uh, Champions League, which they haven't been a participant for a very long time for them. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good job for Sergei Simak, the Russian coach who won, uh, who won the trophy. And, uh, obviously St. Petersburg fans are very, very happy and, um, congratulations. Yeah, for me, that, that must be it. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Sada Asmun, I saw yesterday, um, we could have put this in a news section, but I decided we would leave it here. He has now a few offers from clubs in Italy and Spain. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to decide to do because, you know, he basically went to Sinead and a lot of people thought, okay, what is it? He's going to stay in Russia forever now, but he kind of really, you know, that really gave him his career a push. Over the last few months, you know, people all of a sudden were able to see what a kind of talent he is and, you know, winning a title and scoring lots of goals and being that key piece. I guess maybe like, maybe what do you guys think? Um, Andrew, is he going to play Champions League to maybe like increase his transfer value even or you think he might be off right away? Well, I have to be honest. When he arrived, I was in the camp that you described that, well, maybe that that was his chance to move abroad. Um, now he's going to say, I actually think he has, I, I he's always been a talented player. That's mm. no secret. Everybody's known that, but I've been, I admit I've been surprised as to quite how successful he's been. I think this really will put him firmly in the shop window. And maybe it was the smart move, move yeah. to a, I mean, to cause Anita stepping stone club is a, is sounds strange, but 
it might be exactly what he will end up doing. The one thing I'll say about Asmund, he does seem like a very, very down-to-earth guy, but, uh, and I don't mean this sense entirely as a criticism, maybe partly, but not entirely, he doesn't seem to have the greatest amount of loyalty, if I mean to a club, to a manager, of course, to Bede, if he followed him to Rostov and then back to Ruben Kazan, but he forced that move, um, Pardon me. He forced his move back to Rubin Kazan. He went AWOL from Rubin Kazan in the first place to go to Rostov. Um, and I don't think he has, a, well, why should he? But I don't think he has much emotional connection to Zanit. So, um, I mean, Zanit will, will, uh, will miss him <laughs> already. He's, he's partly won them the title. Um, I, for me personally, I think, um, Yaroslav Rakitsky has been the most important of those three signings, but, um, but Asmund playing in the Champions League, if he has a good group stage, scores three or four goals, hopefully one or two in big games, people will realise how good he is. Because in my opinion, I honestly mean this without any sense of bias, I think he is the best header of the ball in European football. And I include mm. Cristiano Ronaldo in that, who is arguably those two, I'd say, are the best too. I honestly think Asmund is the best. He's so versatile how he scores. Yeah. But it's not just his heading. It's, you know, on the ground, he's quick. He can play in a partnership. He's shown that with Juba. And I think probably one of the most impressive things he's done is get is draw the best out of Artyom Juba, who was looking tired for a long time. Now look at Juba. He's he's scoring. He's he's having fun again. Um, any side would do very well to pick him up. And in the mad transfer market that we have at the moment, I still don't think he would cost crazy amounts of money. I think... 20, 25 million probably would be enough to buy him at the moment, um, which any club who can afford that would do very well to sign him. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, best head of the, yeah, I, I agree with that too, because he, I described him once as the, um, Iranian, uh, Karl-Heinz Riedle, um, who also played for your fa- favorite club, uh, Andrew. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's, it shows how much taste he's got then. Yeah, I, I meant Borussia Dortmund, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got you there, right? Good. Um, so, Tim, who's going to finish second and third? I think, I mean, when I look at the table, I, for me, it's pretty much local who got this. Um, the second yeah. place. But who's going to finish third? Well, we have uh, obviously the, 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 the fight between, uh, Ceska Moscow and uh, Krasnodar. And, uh, I'm very surprised because uh, Ceska Moscow hasn't been having a very good, uh, time recently, they're not they're not really getting the results, mm. uh, the results they need, and they lost uh, to Krasnodar, which was a very important game, uh, which happened between those two sides. So it's it, it it is tough. It is very interesting what will happen, and because uh, for both clubs it is it is very important um, to get to that stage of of, of tournament. Uh, for Krasnodar, they just really has they have been trying to get to the Champions League for a while. They've been successful in Europa League. And now it's their chance. And I think for them, it will be logical to get the third place because, you know, just to get that experience of playing that. But obviously, you know, Ceska wants the same because Ceska is not the richest class and they really depend on the budget of this European football. So we'll see. We'll see. But it will be very interesting. We're still two points between teams and we have four games to go. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to stick with you here, Tim. Your club, Spartak. Um, one oh, point yeah, yeah. ahead of Arsenal Tula. 
you know, there oh. was a there was there was a time when we were talking about potentially maybe Champions League football. Right now, you the the club is hanging on to their dear lives just to that last Europa League spot. Oh, yo, I, I don't even know where to begin. When Maestro Carrera was fired, we were one point away from the uh, straight Champions mm -hmm. League promotion. And uh, then the, the, the management decided to make a change. And look at us right now. We're trying to get to the last Europa League spot. And we're not being very successful. We're losing three in a row and tie and making a tie with absolutely dreadful uh, Rubin Kazan. There's no, there's no football. There was the lowest uh, attendance at the home game against uh, Rubin. And really, I, I can't say confident that Spartak will participate in European football next season because nothing really shows. Arsenal Tula destroyed us completely, just uh, annihilated us at home. Three nothing, and uh, it looks looks like they got three goals in the first 45 minutes, and then just played a little bit more careful. Uh, but again, they they were in control of the game, and they're right now behind one point of us. Um, Arimburk is not too far away. Rostov is not too far away. So I don't have any confidence in my team, in my coach, and in, in my players. So I can't even say that really with confidence that Spartak will participate in European football next season, and uh, that's. That's very. We had some managerial changes. Apparently, the Nail Ismailov and uh, Sergei Rajonov, who are pretty much in charge of the team, they they will be let go uh, in the end of the season. So there are some changes coming. Also, Ali Koronov's uh, role uh, when he was invited to coach the team was to uh, get the club to to Europe. That was they didn't really specify what kind of Europe, uh, Europa League or Champions League. But um, if he is not uh, getting to the Europe, I assume he will be gone by the end of the season. So, again, might be lots of changes in, in Spartak for next season, but let's wait for the next four games and let me pay, painfully watch those. Yeah, it is. I heard rumors that Carrera could come back, Tim. Is that like a dream scenario for you? It, it is. It is actually a scenario. It seems like uh, it is one of the options which is considered uh, because it looks like Fidon, he understands that he made a big mistake. Uh, yeah, Massimo Carrera, he looks like he will only return when he will get some kind of um, confirmation that he will be making certain decisions and he will be in charge of the squad. Uh, but again, like even I, as much as I love Massimo Carrera and I'm absolutely like that, that was the best moment in the past 15 years, maybe 20 years when I supported Spartak when he was a coach. I'm not sure if I want him to manage this mess, which is Spartak right now. Mm. There's a lot of solutions needs to be made because there's lots of players which probably should be gone, like uh, Denis Klushakov and like a few other older players. Uh, so I think Massimo Carrera has to get a lots of a lots of confirmations that he will be working and he will have uh, the decision making and the veto power to come back because right now it is a mess uh, the club is the team is in the in mess the club is in mess so but those rumors are absolutely correct there 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 it seems like um, they're considering uh, this option of Massimo Carrera coming back of course it will be a dream scenario for for people like me who support and who love absolutely love him uh, but yeah you know it's it's tough it's 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 very hard to say but yeah that's one of the options and obviously I, I would love this to come through and that Spartak and again compete for the title. Yeah, let's let's wait and see. Andrew, you've been busy. You know, uh, we ha we have this football grad network WhatsApp chat, and you've been sending us lovely pictures from your latest trip. Uh, I have to say, Ufa, capital of Bashkortostan, head of the um, 
head of the Islam, Islamic Church in, in Russia. Um, also a, a place where people apparently like to walk cement bags. Um, yeah, tell us. Tell, <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell us about, me. tell us about, well, you went, you first <laughs> drove all the way from Tumen to Ufa, right? And, and you saw, you, and I mean, just to give people a bit of, a bit of context, um, you know, Russia is big, right? I know that's stating the obvious, but it really is big. It's more than you can imagine. I drive to Yekaterinburg without thinking, and that's 330 kilometers. That's further than driving London to Manchester for home game. And this one, I thought, you know what? I'll go further afield. I drive to far, which is not too far. It's only about 800 kilometers in total. But the problem is you've got to get there. As in, you've got to cross the border between <laughs> between Svedlovska Oblast, where Yekaterinburg is, and Bashkortostan. The first 100, 150 kilometers, it's like, it's like from the, the film about Borat, the, the mythical, supposedly ca uh, Kazakhstan character where every house is wooden. They have horses drawing cars, not actual carts. I actually did see that on the motorway. That is how realistic it was. There was a man with a horse pulling an empty shell of a car. I actually saw that for real. This is what we're talking about. But Ufa, <laughs> this is amazing. Oh no, honestly, I'm not kidding. I, I we I drove past very slowly because I thought I, I maybe it's just my I'm going a bit crazy because I, I've been driving for so many hours and I thought no no those are actual car tires. It was like the the bottom of the chassis and then wooden sides to yeah, and a wooden planks to carry whatever goods he was taking and a horse and on the motorway. And I'm talking on the main motorway in Bashkortostan. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, we're talking Borat countries big time here. <laughs> oh, dear. More. I was not in a good mood. Let's put it that way when I arrived in Ufa. But then I woke up and I saw the city. It is an absolutely charming city, really beautiful center. Um, and and the stadium itself uh, is something I think deserves credit. Um, you know, if you've, you're watching on TV and you see the Nefchanik, it's one of those classic Soviet stadiums. It's an open bowl. It looks like the atmosphere would be terrible and it's characterless. It couldn't be more opposite. Honestly, outside the concourses, it's got a bit of character to it. The framework on the outside of the stands has got a bit of interest, interesting shape to it. The volume is in, absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, I've got to be honest, Ufa as a club are very well run. The recruitment is outstanding. Um, the, the PR department were really welcoming um and and they played brilliantly on the day annoyingly i have to admit it um how far are down in the relegation playoff zone right now i will never know danny pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about amc plus with best christmas ever on amc plus every day feels like christmas morning from new holiday favorites like elf and one of my personal favorites national lampoon's christmas vacation you can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. 
Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. And, uh, Andrew, uh, just a quick question. We, we talked about it a few times uh, on this podcast that the UFI is one of the best run smaller clubs, uh, but there's always a concern about the number of their fans. Could you please touch a little bit on this aspect, how City is really excited about the, the club? Obviously, you know, the position in the league doesn't really um, give them too much excitement, but in general, how is the fan mm-hmm. culture? How is, talk about a little bit that. Well, Actually, you know what? This is a really, really. I'm really pleased you brought that up, Tim, because um, Ufa is is a is a reasonably reasonably large city, but it was really, really quiet in the centre of the city. Now, in English towns or cities, I guess in most European cities, major ones, you'd expect there to be a bit of a buzz in the city itself before the game, and there was nothing. Absolutely nobody was there an hour, two hours before kickoff, three, four hours in the morning. Nobody around. Right next to where the Nefchanik is, is um, the Park Obieda, Victory Park. Um, it's a beautiful wooded area. It runs right next to the stadium. It's high up. There's a lovely view across the river. Um, there are a lot of war memorials, really well created. There's a there's an open shashlik pit there as well. Yeah, that's um, important key for Andrew. It, it is. It is. You know, the smell of cooked oh. meat, whatever form it is. Um, and that's where people mingled. And yeah. there, the atmosphere was just, it was, it wasn't intimidating in any way. You could have taken your kids. You could have been a, a teenager, anybody. Everybody mingled there and they all swarmed down towards the stadium for kickoff. Um, and there was, it was about 7,000, uh, attendants. The stadium itself holds about roughly double that. Um, but the noise was phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I know it sounds a little a small detail, but the main stand has it, it has effectively got just metal floor. It's a, it almost feels like a temporary stand. So what they do every time there's an emotional moment or a tense moment, everybody stamps their feet on the metal and it echoes really loudly and it just creates this sort of swell collective movement. And it was it was really quite powerful. And you've got to bear in mind this is Ufa against. Ural. I love Ural, but not many people do. Um, it wasn't like it was Spartak Moscow or Zenit in town. <laughs> you know? So you'd understand if the atmosphere was perhaps a little more flat, but it wasn't. It, absolutely not at all. I don't know if it came across that way on TV, but I can promise you, being there, the noise was just... It was something else. Um, so the match day culture there is very well developed in a really genuinely attractive part of, of the city. So I've only got good things to say about Ufaba City and and the club and the way they run match days. It was it was seriously impressive. Yeah, and a very very important. Sorry, Osterimanio, a very quick one important thing. How is the quality of Shaverma compared to to Man and Oral? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, 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 Tim. Please don't be that naive to think anywhere could compete with the Geolog in Chiman for quality of Shaverma. Um, I, I, I didn't try it for fear that it might be as good. Um, so <laughs> I can't tell you for certain. <laughs> but um, just one little side note, actually, before we, um, before we wrap up on Ufa, uh, 
Sylvester Igboon, I would really, I genuinely want to say this. It's really important. He scored twice and in doing so became their all-time top goal scorer. Uh, this is a club that's only been around for nine years, so he's only scored 24 goals for the club. People can laugh all they like, but this is in a league where it's a very low-scoring league. Ufa are not a, a strong side in the context of the whole division. Um, and he scored nine goals this season. Now, you could say it's just because of the goals, but I promise you it's because of his attitude. He is an absolute legend. He is so he's worshipped in the city. After the game finished, the way the Nifjanic Stadium is, they have the mix zone outside the stadium and they have a cordon where all the fans wait around and they watch the interviews taking place. The door opened and Igboon's face appeared and the place erupted. There were only about, say, 100, 150 fans crowding around. But the man spent, the, and I stood there watching, he spent at least an hour signing every autograph that people asked for, taking selfies, taking pictures with everybody. Um, and he didn't want to make anybody feel like they were hassling him at all. He understood how important he is to the club. Um, and I just thought that was, it was a wonderful show of... I know, I know players do this for, perhaps some players do it because they feel they have to. Igboon doesn't. He genuinely understands how important he is to the club and they love him there. So, you know, he's not just a good player. He's, he's, a, he's a good man as well. So, Andrew, your travels, you weren't done there because, you know, from Ufa, um, the capital of Bashkodostan, you then ended up jumping in your car and you drove to what I described to you as the St. Petersburg of the East, Orenburg. <laughs> now, I've never been to Orenburg. I have no idea what it is. I, I read this in a book about the colonization of Siberia. You know, yeah, Catherine the Great, of course, creating Orenburg to have a gateway to the East. Uh, so I used this term. And then I never heard back from you about what I said to you. Um, so I'm really, really curious. What's Orenburg like? And how was the football? Well... I, I'll be honest, I had mixed um, impressions beforehand, mixed stereotypes. One was yours that you mentioned. I thought, okay, that sounds nice, the, the St. Petersburg of the East. And the other half of me was thinking, but this is an oil-rich town. It's very industrial. Gazprom is very influential there. I'm not sure which one to trust. Honest truth, it is arguably, and I don't say this lightly, arguably, the most surprisingly beautiful city I visited in Russia. Um, the the layout of the centre is very open, lots of wide spaces, really wide, almost European-style boulevards uh, running through the centre. Um, they they look after their monuments very well. Um, the Church of uh, Cathedral St. Nicholas is absolutely stunning. Um, and I've I got to be honest, it is, it's a really lovely place. They, they had a few neighborhoods that were clearly exclusive gated communities where I'm almost certain the players probably lived. Um, but there were about two or three of them. Uh, the most surprising thing though is the stadium itself. The, uh, Gazovic stadium is only 5,000, uh, capacity. It's a rickety place to say the least, but it is right slap bang in the middle of a very upmarket suburb right outside the, the center. Um, and it just could not have been more lovely is the word to use. It's, it wasn't a pumping visceral 
football supporters atmosphere but again it was in a uh, very clean sport park there's a there's a sports center right next door there's an ice hockey stadium nearby as well uh, but it's a residential area um, it literally is a street with houses and front gardens on one side and the stadium on the next um uh, it, it was just it was very strange it was really quite lovely <laughs> There you go. Well, that answers my question. I actually want to make a little correction. It was Empress Anna Ivanova um, that gave the edict to build the city, not Catherine the Great. So um, sorry about that, Andrew. But yeah, it was supposed to become the St. Petersburg of the East. Um, how was the, how was the football though? Because for Orenburg, you know that they are up there, and Tim mentioned them already. Um, they're just four points behind Spartak at the moment. How? how I mean. Yeah. Some of the questions that Tim asked you earlier, how are they perceived in the city? Uh, what's a game day like there? And how, you know, what was, what was the football like? Well, actually, it's, it is genuinely very, very important to remember how crucial this game was. Going into this game, Orenberg were three points behind Arsenal Tula. Arsenal Tula were in sixth and Orenberg have been sixth. Now, don't forget sixth place, of course, could could be a Europa League spot if Lokomotiv Moscow win the Russian Cup. So there's a lot riding on it. Um, and the, the atmosphere in the stadium, well, I don't know, I don't remember what the exact attendance was, but I think it was around f only about five or six thousand. It was a decent atmosphere. Um, but the game itself was, was a bit, it was a bit strange, really. It was very end to end. Both sides play along the ground, very attractive style. But Orenberg had a lot of injuries. They had Dmitry Andreev out injured, um, Adesoy Odewole at the back, the two experienced defenders. Um, and they played a back three with Vadim Afunin, uh, defensive midfielder. He dropped back into the back three alongside a former FC Tumen player, Savelli Kozlov, um, a good left-footed centre-back. Um, but it, it started off with Arsenal Tula in control, um, Rezuan Mirzov was, for me, arguably man of the match. He beat his man again and again and again, but he riled up the Orenberg crowd. They thought he was diving the whole time. I actually don't think he was. I think he was being fouled. Um, but the atmosphere was building every passing minute of Orenberg fans felt like the referee wasn't giving them a fair call. Um, and they were starting to get frustrated. Arsenal Tula were in control for large periods of the game. Um, uh, but they, they did pull it back to 1-1, which doesn't really help them a great deal, if I'm honest. They needed to win that game. Um, as for the atmosphere outside, again, it was all very much centred around where the stadium was rather than building up in the centre. Um, there wasn't an atmosphere in the centre of the city. Uh, but around it, again... They, they take their cooking meats outside very seriously. They have barbecues, grilling, all sorts of ribs um, and shashlik, of course. Um, the smell was, was sensational. But again, I wasn't going to let any other club risk having shashlik or shawarma as good as Chumen, so I didn't have any of that. Um, but uh, the atmosphere was pleasant. I don't mean that as as an insult, as if to say there wasn't enough atmosphere, but it was very pleasant. It wasn't intimidating. It was in a lovely atmosphere, uh, lovely surroundings, and um, it's a very welcoming sort of place to go to watch football. And the atmosphere inside the ground itself was powerful. It was very intense. So 
uh, I, I've got to be honest, I picked two brilliant games to go to in the end. Yeah, Tim, that makes us overly jealous, except for, of course, the expected meals. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> the, ah, ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I was waiting for that question to come along. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I did Manny, 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 please yeah. give our listeners a bit of context as, as to the sensational quality of uh, Bundesliga press food first. Uh, and then I will explain why it doesn't come close to Orenburg. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> where so, where do you begin, Manu? Yeah, I I did see the food at uh, both the stadiums that you were at, and I, I'm I'm looking forward on how you're going to beat my expected meals. This is a new <laughs> new statistic that we've come up on the Football Grand Network. It's called XM expected meals. Andrew's expected meal is is currently at zero point zero one. Um, <laughs> Mine is at around three a game, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, the Bundesliga meals usually they do give you something before the game, at halftime, and after the game. Um, they ex usually it's also a full meal. Um, so Andrew, yeah, let's go over to your boiled eggs and <laughs> cookies <laughs> and the, the randomly showing up pizza on like a on a stand. Uh, that was probably the one that. That made me laugh the most. Although I have to admit, the pizza looked good. I, I tell you what, it was. It was. It was sensational, and it didn't just taste good because I'd waited about four years to have something resembling a meal out of Russian ground. But it actually was really good pizza. Um, you know the. <laughs> oh God, you talk about expected meals. Um, I, I have been to virtually every level of Russian stadium. And not one has even come close to offering a meal. The nearest was the VEB Arena, um, CSK Moscow, but you had to pay for that. And it was a relatively ordinary chicken Kiev and mashed potato, which is fine. Nothing wrong with it. Um, but I think in terms of the XM statistic, uh, the expected meals, that shouldn't count because you've got to pay for it. It's got to be a free press food. That's what I think. Free. Yeah. It has to be free. Um, so at Orenburg, there I was. Um, I mean, it's hard to s describe quite how shallow and small this stand is. This is the main stand. There are only six rows of seats in front of the the gantry. The gantry where the press sit has uh, about 10 chairs on either side and the cameramen standing in front. So the view is utterly appalling. There's no leg room whatsoever. And you're basically standing on planks of wood above the supporters. Um, it, it's, it's, it's seriously basic. So I thought, hmm, there wasn't even a toilet. There wasn't a kettle. There wasn't any any drinks. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine. They're not going to offer me that. I'm used to this now after four years of neglecting press centers in Russian football. And then a pizza arrived. It was, oh, sensational. There was There was onion. There was a bit of mint, there was some shredded bacon, and there was pepperoni. The crust was quite crisp. It was warm, but not hot, but it was quite crisp. The dough was quite light as well. It wasn't thick and heavy, only American style. It was almost melting out of tongue. It was quite buttery texture to it. Um, the cheese, I would say, probably uh, the, well, if you go to any supermarket in Russia, you find Rossiski seared, which is roughly a, a type of cheddar. 
but it had a bit of a tank to it, so I think it was probably <laughs> better. Uh, you know, and we were laughing because, like, I don't think I've ever any heard, heard anyone describe a pizza the way you do. This Tim, this is a starving journalist right there. Yeah, four years <laughs> of starving, and then <laughs> exactly four. Please understand the context, everybody listening. Four years of suffering in itself is enough to love this pizza. And, but when and jokes faced, for, from us. Exactly. When you, are, when you are faced with the abuse, the outright abuse that I received from the rest of the Football Grand Network of, <laughs> oh, you not got another meal, or Chris Williams from coming from Munich saying, Andrew, how would you like your steak done? Rare? Medium rare? What type of potatoes would you like to go with it? Which brand of beer would you like to go with it? I've had to suffer for four years. And now I get a pizza. <laughs> this is great. This is the one of the best football grad stories. It, it, it it's, is, it's absolutely it's amazing. A, it's a cathartic moment for me. I mean, I I cannot really describe, other than the emotion I'm trying to put into my voice, quite how emotional a moment this is for me. I finally am. I'm not ever going to be at a par of Bundesliga cordon bleu chefs, but I'm at least not at the bottom rung anymore. Uh, yeah, you at least above zero in expected meals. At least you got something. Yeah. The XM, the XM statistic, I believe, has gone up to 0.15 under Nico's uh, calculation. So I will take that as a victory. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think I'm not even sure how I'm going to wrap this up now. I, I'm, I have absolutely <laughs> lost for words. This pizza. A got me really hungry because I haven't had breakfast yet, and B, I, I'm just kind of lost. I, t Tim, what, what are we gonna do? I mean, also, what what are we gonna do with Andrew when he goes back to his next round match and there's going to be absolutely nothing of next year in the PFL? You know, when he's covering Cumin. Um, Don't say that. <laughs> just let me have my moment. Let me have my moment. Next week you can rip into me, but give me just one minute about that, and I, I'll, I'll look at it. Oh, well, we did have a promotion to from the PFL to the Football National League on the agenda. I, I think we're going to push that back to next week because I, I just want to leave you on an emotional high here, Andrew. I, I think <laughs> yeah. we cannot. This cannot be topped. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, will never, I will never top this again. I could have Odell in the Champions League final against Manchester United and it would not top getting a pizza at Oldberg. <laughs> oh, oh, this is brilliant. It was worth brilliant. driving 2,000 kilometers round trip through the most horrific thunderstorm ever known to man just to get that pizza. That is how good it was, honestly. Oh, jeez. I'm getting emotional now. I need to go and get another pizza. Yeah, I think uh, let's would... let's post the. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mano. I was just going to say you and me both, but yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I think this is this is basically this is it. I mean, I I I can't top this. I can't I can't find a transition to another topic. I just I I am emotionally drained from just living through this moment with you, Andrew. And um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to you know what. I'm going to do our usual wrap up and just Andrew, aside from eating pizza, <laughs> what, are you going you to think do, what are you going to do with the rest of your day? And what have you, what have you to pluck? Um, yeah, the floor is yours. 
Well, I think I'd probably first and foremost like to plug my Instagram page where there will be a picture of a pizza from Orenburg going up shortly. Um, but uh, in all honesty, in all honesty, I just cannot top it. So I, I, I'm going to take a break. Um, I'm taking a slight career path change. I'm looking for a new type of work. So I'm going to take a bit of time off to bask in the glory of my Orenburg pizza. And uh, I, I don't have anything to plug, I'll be honest. But... In the future, I will be heading to Yekaterinburg again on Saturday for a visit of a certain team in red and white. Oh, oh of course. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Well, we'll have to we'll have to chat that plenty next week. <laughs> right, Tim? Yeah. Tim, yeah. Tim. Tim. Oh, football grad derby. Yeah, football grad derby. So, Tim, what do you have to plug? Well, first of all, before before we wrap it up, I think the you know how every time we come up for the name for the podcast, this one should be. Uh, Andrew Zarenburg pizza story and uh, his travel, something something along the line, and we definitely have to uh, tweet the yeah, uh, the yes. tweet the, the picture of pizza because it was massive. It was highlight of Andrew's four years. But in terms of just yeah, people can follow me at uh, Rocket from Russia on Instagram and uh, Russian Tim sixty one on Twitter, and um, I'm very 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 scared of a massive football derby against uh, Andrew Flynn's Oral. What if they even give them pizza before the game? That's, that's, then we have no chance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't add much to that. I mean, you can find, can find anything we do. Um, <laughs> At Football Grad Live, you know, we, we have this podcast. We have, of course, the Gegen Pressing podcast. We have articles. We, we covered the Champions League this week in depth. And, um, there's, there is actually an article in the works on the, on the promotion to the professional, from the professional football league to the, the football national league. Uh, had to take a little bit of time off because I've been covering, um, the, the launch of the Canadian Premier League. And, uh, of course, Major League Soccer over for Pro Soccer USA. So you can, you can follow me at Manuel Vef if you're interested in Canadian soccer at all in a new league. Um, there's going to be plenty of, co- of content out there. And then I'm heading back to Germany in, in a few weeks as well. So, yeah, lots of content coming on the Bundesliga as well. So you can follow that uh, at Manuel Vef. And of course, this and everything at, at Football Grad Live. Well, that's it, boys. Until next week, we'll be back next week. No worries with some very interesting topics, including press food. Until then, das Vedanya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.